Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome to Decoding HR Tech, a GGG Unleashed podcast with Amy Warren of Fama. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. In each of Amy's episodes, we'll reimagine everything you thought you knew about HR tech. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Amy Warren, and this is Decoding HR Tech. And today, I'm excited to have with me Fama's head of data science, Amber McKenzie. So one of the things that we do at Fama is we use AI technology to search over 10,000 online sources. And AI is a big part of our product or solution and what we do. And um, Amber, what I would like you to do is tell everyone about your background and then also a little bit about why data science is so important in terms of what we do with AI at any tech company that uses AI like Fama does. So my background, I have a master's in linguistics and a PhD in computer science, and I've been doing data science and natural language processing for, oh goodness, almost 15 years now. What I really get excited about in the data science space is the ability to utilize computers in ways that are harder for us humans. So things like scouring all of those sites or aggregating a lot of data or being able to look at, you know, patterns in data that are a little bit harder with just our brains. And at Fauna, I think it's particularly exciting because we have the opportunity to use AI and data science as a tool to sort of augment the processes that we have in place. So rather than just using humans or just using computers, we have the opportunity to marry those together and get the best of both worlds and come out with a, a product that sort of is efficient and more accurate and good value for our customers. And one of the things that is always really interesting and that comes up with the topic of AI in general is a lot of people either find themselves in two camps. Camp number one is AI is great. It's the most amazing thing. And they're going to share with you all the things that they're using AI for and where they think the future of AI is going. And then it's the other camp that AI is really bad. We're getting ready to have our own version of like the Terminator happening and AI is taking over the world. So obviously with what you do, you probably are in camp number one, but I know you have an interesting point of view on this. And I think for the audience who may not even know which camp they're in yet and are still trying to kind of figure out how does AI play a role in their world today and, and then also in their business world, give me some thoughts on this. For me, AI is neither inherently good or bad. It's a tool like anything else that we have, whether it's computers, phones, banks, cars, whatever it is, it is a tool that allows us to do certain things. And it's the way that you use the tool and the way that you set it up and how much guidance you give it or how much you kind of put your trust into it, it sort of determines its efficacy, I suppose. And so when I look at things like new technologies coming out, new algorithms and that sort of thing, for me, it, it's not about, oh, well, now 
you know, we're not going to be able to do this or it's going to do this thing bad. It's about us as, as people using them in the right way, in a way that is, is going to leverage the tool in the way that it should be used, but then not, you know, let it be the end all be all. Self-driving cars is a good example that people kind of put a lot of stock in and they said, oh, well, you know, if we just put all the cars out on the road and they're all self-driving, they're going to kill people and that sort of thing. Well, I think we're doing it in the right way in that we are rolling out different facets of that and being able to say, hey, we're not just putting them all out there, but there are things that the cars could do that are actually probably better because we as people are not infallible either. We have car accidents and all that sort of stuff. So I look at it sort of as everything else and just try and figure out the best ways to utilize AI as opposed to AI being the end solution and the only thing that that we're using. I think some people too have this idea that AI is just going to go off, go rogue and go do its own thing. And we're going to have to go catch up with it. And the reality of it is it's not the case because AI is actually created by people, right? And that's a big part of like what you do. You're creating the models that guide the AI. So it's not like there's scenarios where AI is going rogue in the ways that we're using it today. And I think that that's something that is very miscommunicated when it comes to AI. It's true. I mean, when you look at some of these models and everybody's like, oh, well, it spits this out and it does this. We don't even know what's coming out of it. Well, you take that with a grain of salt, right? Like, yeah, okay. If you don't know what's coming out of it, then you work that into your processes. And just like with people, you don't know if everything that they say is correct or right. You take what people say with a grain of salt. And I think the same is true with AI. And in terms of AI, you know, taking over and, and going rogue, we're not to that stage. You know, I think people think that we are a lot farther than we are based on some of the marketing that has come out around some of the new technologies. But we're not there. It's the same thing that happened with Watson, right? When it came out and was doing great at Jeopardy, everybody's like, oh, it can do all the things. Well, now, if you look back at Watson from where we are now, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, well, it can only answer Jeopardy questions. Okay. And a lot of the stuff that it's doing, it's new for a computer to be doing it, but it is not new in the landscape of things. You know, plagiarism is, I think, is the big talking point that everybody's using right now, right? People are using it to write papers or write resumes or write whatever. Well, we've been paying yeah. people to do that for a long time. <laughs> like it's just more accessible. It's more like easy to get at, but it does not change the fact that these are still things that people have been doing for a very long time. All it's of a sudden, it seems like new, right? Oh my goodness. Somebody can cheat and take a test and use something like chat GPT to pass the MCATs or like you said, write a paper. But at the end of the day, people have been trying to find ways to do those things and take shortcuts. They just now have a new tool to take a shortcut. It's not the tool. It's the person that's making the choices on how they're going to use the tool. Yep. I mean, it used to be right. Like 
when we had to go and write papers, we had to go to the library and find books. And then sometimes you just copied from the book into your paper, right? And then it was like, and then there's Google and then people were copying and pasting from Google in there. And now, you know, there's these algorithms and you can just get something spit out. It's the same thing. Maybe it's a little bit easier or different, but it's all the, the, the same stuff we used to do. <laughs> and that's and that's one of the things that I think is key in this entire conversation that often gets lost, right? Is all the things that AI is doing and like the examples that you gave, right? We were doing all of those things before. We're now just using a different tool to do them. And it probably feels different simply because the speed of it, right? The method of it, it's less tangible. You know, you were talking about having to go to the library and getting the book. Well, we used to touch the book, right? So those of us that are old enough to have done that, right? And then you've got the next generation. Okay, now they're just going and they're searching. They're not having to actually physically go somewhere. So it's not the time to physically go somewhere. They're not having to flip through pages. They're not having to handwrite something or type something, right? Now it's just immediately accessible. Now, in this case, now we're skipping all of those steps and it's just, okay, let me spit this out to you and it's already there in paragraph form. So something, first it took hours to do, right? Or maybe even like a day, right? An afternoon, then went into a couple hours. Now it's seconds. And I think it's that speed of things that makes us feel like it's actually something different when it's not. And I mean, that's the hallmark of AI. So everybody's kind of like, oh, AI is going to take over. No, what AI generally does is automate tasks that we do and make them faster. We used to send telegraphs and then we sent mail and then we sent email and now we send text. That is all the same process. It's just AI has made it faster. It hasn't made it any better or worse it's just different doing the same types of things. And so that's like when I kind of go back to that comment I made about AI being a tool, that's what I look at the same thing, data science in products, in the things that we're offering our customers or, or in applied data science across the space. It's like, how do we take some of the things that take us a very long time to do and utilize AI to make it a little bit faster, make it a little bit more efficient so that there are other places that we can provide more value by diving in on the manual side. And that's where, for me, AI has its place. It is not trying to find a new thing that will suddenly do everything for me. It's about how do I redirect my energies to things that provide more value. So for example, if I didn't have email and I had to spend an hour every morning opening letters, right? And reading them and then spend another couple of hours typing up responses and putting them back in envelopes and sending them, I would prefer that my time be spent actually doing things that are valuable to the customer. So that's a pretty rudimentary example, but those are the types of things that AI can really help with is those things that we don't really need to spend all of our time on and we can redirect and elevate and innovate by taking AI and putting it into the processes. 
One of the things that I think about with that is when people are recruiting and the number of job applications that come in and the number of resumes, right? And I think one of the things that people may be concerned about is, oh, well, if I use AI for that process, right, it's going to speed it up. But what about the bias? What are your thoughts on that? Because I know in the past that was technology that you used to work on was, you know, how to speed up that process from applications coming in to going through all those applications and finding the qualified candidates that you want to then put in front of a person to review, right? right. To be able to shorten that time frame. Yeah, it's the same type of thing. I I have no illusions that people are unbiased. So nobody's going to tell me that if I go and put an algorithm in there to screen resumes that somebody somehow I'm introducing bias. I may be introducing different bias, but I 100% think that we are inherently biased by our experiences and the relationships that we have and and what we do in life. But the idea that, oh, well, if a person is screening them, they're going to be able to do it correctly. They're going to do it in exactly the right way. We don't do things correctly. So I look at it as sort of where would you prefer for recruiters to spend their time? Is it evaluating quality candidates and having good positive one-on-one interactions and being able to work on putting candidates that really match a company's culture? Or is it spending all of their time going through hundreds of resumes by hand to pick those out and then they've run out of time and then they're speeding through interview processes and that sort of thing? And you know, again, it comes down to AI being a tool. You can tailor it to kind of look at, you know, what you want to look at. You can have it screen less or screen more or rank or, you know, any of those things. But at the end of the day, you have to make a choice. If I have a set amount of time, where do I want my energies to be directed? And so, yes, there are going to be inherent biases in algorithms. There are inherent biases in people. So it's not black and white. Like if we don't use AI, then nobody's going to be biased. And I, I remember we were talking yesterday about resumes being screened and how there was a study that was done that noticed that John got chosen a whole lot. And during your story, my brain told me you were talking about an algorithm, right? Because that's what everybody talks about is bias and algorithm. And you got to the end and you said the study was done on people. Yeah, And that, I guess that proves my point in that, like, that is how things work. It is possible that having an algorithm in there actually takes away some bias from recruiters because, you know, it doesn't have some of the stuff that they have in their experiences that may tailor them one way or another. It all boils down to the people and awareness. So first of all, you always have to be aware that no matter what you're doing, whether it's people doing the work or a process or AI doing the work, you've got to be on the lookout for bias. And one of the best ways that you can do that is by looking at the people. And I'm going to end in this because I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge this. So when you're going to work with a technology company, especially one that's doing AI, one of the first things that you want to do, you don't need to ask about the model. You don't need to bring a data scientist with you. You need to look at the people in the room and 
You need to see, are the people in the room diverse? What are their values? What are the things that they're doing with their model? And that's going to be the immediate indication of whether or not you're working with a company that's thinking about those biases and chances of them having a more biased model or less biased model. And even in this conversation, right? So here you have two women talking about AI and technology. Why? Because this is the work that we do. And when you have diversity in these workplaces, and especially in technology, that's going to be one way that you reduce the bias simply by having different people from different backgrounds in the room. And so I always say this, like, Amber, I love talking with you and I love working with you because we have many instances at Fama where everyone who's leading the conversation or who's in the meeting is a woman. That is a very unique experience for those of us that are women in tech. And so when we have those moments in our company, we all kind of look around the room and acknowledge it and enjoy it because they don't happen often. So whether you are working with AI now in your processes or you're looking to bring in an HR technology company that's using AI and you're like, where do I start? Like, how do I know if what they're doing is going to be inclusive or how can I avoid some of those things? The first thing you do is just look around the room when you go into those meetings or you're on those Zooms and make sure that the people that you're talking to are representative of the world. And that's your first your first moment to know whether or not this is a company that maybe you want to do business with or not. So I'll leave it there. Thank you, Amber, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I always enjoy working with you and talking with you. And this has been Decoding HR Tech with Amy Warren. And I look forward to talking with everyone next time. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and learning about the future of HR tech. We'll be back next month with Amy for another episode. But until then, please check out Fama's website at fama.io. That's F-A-M-A dot I-O. Until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>